Welcome to Cryptic, the Carlton Research Practice of Teaching Collaborative. My name is Federica Goffi. I'm the co-chair of the PhD program at the Azrieli School of Architecture and Urbanism. And um, today we're conducting an interview with Dr. Felix Solaguren, Dean of the Barcelona School of Architecture at SAB, UPC Barcelona Tech, and Dr. Pedro Azzara Nicolas, who coordinates the Department of Theory and History of Architecture at the same school. The interview is conducted by a group of PhD students, Christine Washko, Rima Wad, Marco Ianni, and myself. So welcome and thank you very much for the opportunity. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, my name is Kristen Washko, I'm a PhD student in the program. And uh, we just wanted to start by asking actually Dr. Azara, um, if you could speak to the relationship between art, archeology span and architecture and perhaps what these fields have to offer one another. Okay, um, surprisingly, uh, yesterday when I, I was giving classes of theory to the five-year students, I talk about the relationship between the three words of three, um, uh, yeah, these the three words. And at the same time, it is true that uh, I am participating in an archaeological missions since uh, 2007, uh, first in Syria uh, until 2000, 2010, and then uh, in Iraq uh, since, uh, since then. And in both cases, uh, I'm working in an archaeological site of a neo-Assyrian palace, palace and city. Um, which could be the relationship? Um, I mean, the word uh, archaeology means the study of uh, arche. I mean, it's a it's a Greek a word uh, coming from uh, from from Greek. It's made of two different uh, two two different Greek words, arche. And logos, arche means the origin. I mean, the first, the most important, the fundamental, or the origin. All these, obviously, they are not exactly the same. But um, an arche is, is something which is necessary, which is the origin of other things, which is previous to these other things, and at the same time, um, an arche give strengths to uh, things that without any arche um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be um, solid, let's say. <clears throat> For instance, um, um, arche was, the was the, a name used to design or to name the people who were in the command of the, of the cities. Arche is also the name of the hut because it was considered the most important part of a, of a, of a body. And also, Arche, it's an archaeological uh, word because uh, it, it names the foundations of a, of, a, of, of a building. And Logos, it's the word that uh, says that, um, says that um, the words we are using are telling the truth. So uh, archaeology archaeology means to find something essential uh, that let us understand what has happened since then. It's going down to find the origin, for instance, of a city, a settlement, the origin of life. It is, uh, so it, maybe it is not so surprising to know that uh, the word architecture is also uh, a word made of two 
Greek words, arche again, and texture, uh, terne. And terne, uh, even if the Greek word terne uh, has given the, a modern word like techniques, uh, in fact, terne means uh, in Greece the capacity of giving life. A technician, um, a technician was really someone who was able to give birth, give life, or to protect life. So, uh, architecture is the design, the control, or the production of something so fundamental, so necessary, that uh, it can protect, it can give, it can protect uh, life. So it's something absolutely necessary for our, in, 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 our, um, in our world. Art, in fact, it's a, a word uh, coming from Latin, of course, from us, but also us is the translation of techne, of the Greek techne. So arts also um, means also the, um, the, the tools necessary to produce life or to 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 let the life uh, appear on the earth so in fact um, all these three words art archaeology and architecture they all uh, they all, um, they all uh, name uh, names structures tools our capacity of uh, producing something which is absolutely necessary for our life. It makes life uh, easier. It connects us. It uh, allows us to be connected with the with dead people and with immortals. So it's something that it's against our, our destruction. So in fact, um, these words are very similar and they design, they mention something which is most important for us is uh um, tools that allows that allow us to transcend our limitation thank you very much yeah, for that very in-depth answer it's wonderful so we wanted to ask you, we have a series of questions about the PhD in theory uh, and history of architecture at ATSAB. And this first question will be for the Dean, uh, Felix Solagran. And uh, we wanted to ask you about the relationship between the PhD program uh, at, and programs, I guess, because you have many different ones at your school and professional practice in Spain. Well, this is a very conflictive question. <laughs> I will explain why. Because the other day, some, somebody who is teaching in, in Harvard, in the States, uh, he said me that it's impossible to teach as permanent professor in Harvard if you are practicing architects. I think in many other, uh, in many other uh, universities around the world. Here is quite, well, we are in a conflict with us, with that question. Because if you are, for example, teaching construction, and you are a theorician in construction, 
how can you teach something uh, about construction if you, you don't know in a, in a practical way? If you are um, a medical doctor and you have uh, a brain problem, uh, usually you are uh, you are going to the to the university to look for a professor in this subject. But uh, if this uh, uh, professor doesn't ex exercise the practice of this, how can you put your brain <laughs> in, in, in his hands or, uh, or in, in her hands, no? And that, that is, is a big, uh, an actual discussion in, 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 in this subject, at least in Spain, because uh, the law, uh, um, the law uh, gives the, the, the exact direction if you are practicing architect, you cannot be a full-time professor in school. This, that say the law. But, uh, well, what happens in the reality? You are in Spain, Spain is different. And then there is a people who is uh, playing the two roles. I mean, they are practicing and so on. In another way, there are, there are some, uh, we have different kind of contracts in Spain. Associate means is a part-time uh, uh, teacher. I mean, it's a, a kind of uh, assistant. Um, associate is not your associate. Associate is a permanent, in your language, is a permanent uh, contract uh, teacher or professor. Here, no, associate is an assistant. And there is the, the associate are another levels in, in that. And you can uh, work in a full-time, uh, dedication to, to teaching or in a part-time. The law, uh, you can, you can, you can, you, uh, you can be in, in a part-time and use uh, the, the, uh, and exercise your professional work. That, that is possible. But then you cannot go in the meetings. <laughs> it's, it's something chaotic, I mean. But, uh, and, and th there is a big, a big trouble about that in, 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 uh, in a legal, uh, in a legal world, I mean, and and, and this is uh, a big discussion we have now. In this discussion in the in our university, uh, we 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 don't know how to solve it, and it's I don't know if I answered. I I I, I, I had prepared another another question, another answer, but, <laughs> but but I think now in listening the the, the the question, I think is 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 much better this one. I guess this is this is kind of an issue in many schools. I guess in different contexts. I guess there are yeah. different, um, you know, ways and legislations around it. You know, ways in which university govern themselves. But it definitely is an issue for you know um, architecture. You know, as an academic subject and also professional subject at the same time, I suppose. But I was wondering. I guess I thought that uh, perhaps you had a high number of professional architects who were also um, attaining a PhD. And I, I kind of was wondering yes. uh, if, if that is the case, what is that relationship? And if people are able to, I guess, maintain uh, both things going, I guess, even after a PhD, are they practicing and uh, yeah. teaching? And how does that work? If you are a part-time, yes, there's no problem. But if you are full time, but that means that you are you cannot be in 
you cannot be the director, you cannot be the dean of the or director of the department, you cannot be anything about that. Uh, you must to be full-time professor. If, and, and, and there's the conflict. You, you must to renounce to your uh, professional activity during this time. I see. Or renounce to activities. That's uh, Yes, but, it's, but the problem is if you leave something, <laughs> how, how you, when you come back, how, how to solve yeah. that? You are part-time and, and you are part-time for your, all your life. <laughs> yeah. If you change, uh, you are divorced and then how to you come back? It's, it's quite difficult, yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I guess the next question uh, for you, um, we were um, interested to learn a little bit about some of the critical moments in the history of the PhD program at, at SAB since its foundation. How did it come to be uh, and what has been your role? And if the seven doctoral research tracks were created simultaneously and uh, you know, in terms of synergy between the programs, uh, we were wondering if there is interaction between them and between students in the different areas of research. Yeah, well, uh, one we found some some. I don't know if Pedro can uh, can agree with me. We have some some main problems about that about the the the, the main critical moments. The, the, the doctorate was uh, something that appears in the sixties in Spain. Uh, not before, and then you could be a, a high-level professor without doctorate before that. After that, that started to uh, necessary by law to be a PhD in the subject you should teach. The, but uh, the time goes, and <laughs> and the and there are some the main the main problem we have we have found in, in during this time is the age of the of the tutors of the of the work when they are retired uh, well there is a, there is a a law that cannot be get, because it's a kind of uh, recognition of this tutoration uh, of of this work if they are the, but when you leave the university when you are 70 you are a permanent professor. You, you must to leave the university at seventy, and you are um, and, and you and there are some students that are working his PhD, and there is the 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 law then doesn't recognize his paper as, as a tutor, and then we must to solve in a bureaucratic uh, level to solve that. That that has been an, and we have been uh, I have been teaching. With uh, with other professors that have been that, that they are they have been even as, as uh, to me and to Pedro they they were our professors and we are teaching we have been teaching with them and then when they are retired and the students are making the PhD with them how to solve that and they, and well we have the uh, because what means in in the other part of the of the of the paper. When you are a tutor, you have a kind of recognition of this work. If you are not uh, vinculated to the university, how can you recognize your work? And then, and, and there is a something quite strange uh, that happens. And there, uh, and another problem is if you have a tutor for another university, the recognition is in our university for our own university. And then is somebody is 
for a foreign country, or somebody is a tutor from another university in Spain or Italy or whatever, how to recognize his work. And then we make a kind of fake parallel tutor that uh, sign the papers. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is that <laughs> you have a law, how to, <laughs> how to solve the law is always that. Is I think it has been one of the main the main uh, problems we have had at that moment because uh, before that they were the main problem was the information the information how in the in the eighties for example I don't know Pedro if he had this problem but I had this problem uh, I was looking for some specific information of one building in, in Italy and then and how I was there I tried to find this information but I need more information about this building. And they, we should go to our uh, library to ask for a um, uh, specific uh, bibliography of this, of this subject. And after two or three months, this, uh, this uh, research from other countries arrived to, to Spain and then you could work then. Now you have internet that is fantastic in one way and it's very dangerous in another way because you, you have to select. It's one of the main uh, roles of the, of the tutor to select the information. Have, you have all the information of the world. And this, this, the, the, the main problem we have now is that Pinterest is a big drama. Pinterest. <laughs> I say the name. <laughs> and I guess in, in terms of the, the seven tracks, were they created all at the same time? Or, you know, I guess, you know, at different times. The seven tracks, you mean the seven uh, different departments? Yes, and the PhD programs associated. Well, they are, they are a kind of, uh, well, they are, we have some relation of, of between the department to have something together. We have a, a co-tutor. I mean, one could be Pedro and the other could be um, another, another professor, me, for example. That could be possible. He's from one department and I am from another department. That could be possible, but it's not usual. It's not usual. If you choose to work in one department, it's it is supposed that you will finish your work in this department. To change uh, the department is something sometimes very difficult. It's, it's easier to be divorced. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. This is perfect. Dr. Azara maybe wants to add something. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, one thing I would like to add is uh, sometimes we, I mean, we, we have students from different parts of the world and sometimes they are from countries or cultures we do not know very well or we do not know at all. Uh, we have students from the Middle East, uh, sometimes from China. Um, and in that case, if they uh, would like to do a PhD on themes related to the culture, which on the other hand, it is a, a very good solution. We ask, due to the fact that we have very little knowledge of what they, are, they would like to do, we ask them to uh, have a co-tutor or co-director from their university. Uh, in that case, uh, we can be more sure that uh, what they are doing is um, is the right thing and they are using the right bibliography and so on so uh, what we do is to uh, look at the coherence of what they are doing coherence of the plan and, and but of, of obviously the details 
related to their particular culture is something that the co-tutor the co has, to, has to look carefully. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and the next question is uh, for you, Dr. Azzara. We wanted to ask you about you know, considering the ongoing diversification of knowledge production in doctoral research and architecture uh, in the world. You know, there are, I guess now, obviously many PhDs like yourself, I guess you have seven different uh, tracks, but, um, you know, PhDs where it's more history and theory, others that look at, um, you know, PhD by design or by creative practice or PhD by practice. And we were curious to see how you see your own program and tracks positioned in Europe within this broader context of doctoral research at the international level as well. Yes, what you are mentioning or you, you are telling about is, uh, for us, it's a problem. I mean, um, when a student, when an architect uh, would like to follow our PhD program, um, we ask the student to submit a theme. Uh, the, the subject of its of uh, his or her research so we are not giving them a research some of the depart departments on the contrary they uh, ac they only accept students who will do what they are giving uh, a theme that is giving uh, given to them uh, on the contrary, uh, we, 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 we try to give them as, as freedom as possible. But it is true that uh, sometimes students, they propose themes uh, which are really far away from not only our interest, but our capacity. So uh, in that case, and, and sometimes it can be uh, really problematic because we, we feel we are not prepared to judge what they are saying or the, what they would like to do. In that case, we try to tell them to look to uh, other departments. Uh, we think they are more suitable for what they would like to do. Because if not, uh, it can happen that um, what, they are, what they are going to do will not go anywhere. Um, so um, even if we uh, have no rules, uh, nevertheless, it is true that we uh, tend to accept certain sort of certain types of uh, subjects and not others. And the the selection is made depending on our capacity to manage and to judge what the, what the doctorate would like to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> so and also I would like to add, so um, I mean, themes related to modern architecture and modern architecture uh, in South America, for instance, um, and uh, subject related to the history of art and architecture, of Western art and architecture, are themes that are prefer, um, preferred by us. And also, I can, uh, and, I, and I, um, I accept, I am really aware of uh, our limitations. Thanks. Maybe just to follow up on that, if you could speak a little bit about um, 
how the uh, how the theory and history of architecture school with, within the the larger department perhaps aims to uh, distinguish itself and and maybe especially in relation to the uh, to the architectural design program. Are, are there is there anything kind of that you try and and be make really specific to the history and theory track? Uh, sometimes when uh, architects uh, they submit a theme uh, or a subject. We say, well, uh, we think that this subject would be more suitable for the project department. Um, really, uh, the, um, what we try to accept or what we prefer are themes uh, that in which the theoret theoretical part or the historical parts are the main parts. Um, project that uh, has to do with design normally are not accepted, but subjects that, um, that um, are related to thinking about the design, thinking about the meaning, uh, the function of design, obviously they are subject that uh, obviously we, we, we accept. But uh, I think in order to be, to obtain PhDs that are really uh, important in uh, in a way, we have to limit the type of subjects we can accept. And obviously, we are, I think we are aware that, um, in a way, it's uh, due to our limitation, of course. Mm. And so does that uh, limitation extend to research methods as well? Um, so within the School of Architecture, Urbanism and Construction, I suppose, do, do what ex to what extent do students of architectural design, you know, engage in questions or maybe even in methods of theory and history and vice versa, to what extent do students of architectural theory and history, you know, engage in, in maybe design methods as well? Is there any crossover there with, with, with research we methodology? Um, I mean, students uh, are free to use the methodology they would like to, to use. Uh, and also we try to make them use a methodology which is really suitable, suitable or we think which is the best uh, for what they would like to do. Uh, so uh, they are free to use any methodology uh, while this methodology is really um, important. For, for their research. Uh, of course, when uh, they are writing the PhD, uh, a first chapter obviously is the methodology. Uh, and they have to show, let's say, the rules and the, 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 they will use, of course. But um, if, and even in a historical or theoretical PhD uh, thesis, if they need a um, project or uh, design tools, it's okay. I mean, no, no problem at all. Yeah, interesting I, I, to be able to have both, yeah. I want to add something about that because the, sometimes the departments, they have some specification. I mean, they are clear in one way, in another. And then there are, I, I think the Department of History is, is, is real clear and uh, in, in a general way. No, no, obviously, we, we can find this, this kind of questions. You can analyze anything in 
some determining weight in this department. But for example, in, te in technology, you are uh, studying uh, in sub a specific subject. There are more, uh, there are some departments that are more specific and there are some others that they are more general. And there are the transversality is, is quite, uh, quite often in this department, especially in, in project design and urban design. Uh, and they appear some other things. I, I think they admit a part of, uh, I don't know, in urbanism, uh, a sociology, and uh, don't know, uh, applied science or uh, pedagogy or some other object, uh, subjects, but not as a main subject. There are tools to study, to develop the, your, your thesis in architecture, but it's the main subject of the general school is architecture. You can use other things. Uh, but not, uh, but you cannot do any PhD in sociology in our school. Yeah, and uh, the problem is not that we would not accept a doctoral thesis on soci on soci sociology, sorry, or geography. It is that we feel we are not uh, capable in enough to guide and to judge a, yeah. as, um, a thesis on sociology. So we think there are other departments, uh, certainly from other universities, which are uh, more suitable to accept and to judge such a such a research. So, I so, uh, so it's in in fact is in the benefit for the student. I guess. Uh, um you wouldn't consider or you haven't considered or maybe it's not possible to connect with other departments so let's say to have a joint committee with sociology like for example in our school uh, sometimes you know if um, if a dissertation touches on a subject that's outside of architecture we make sure that we have someone uh, who is actually you know um, a specialist in that subject area and can have a strong lead as well uh, mm -hmm. in the dissertation work we we can and we do uh, suggest the PhD students to talk with other professors uh, in order to give um, to have much more information and indications. So, and there is no problem in asking them to uh, to work or to at, at least to talk with other departments. But uh, all these persons will not be responsible due to due to the law. They will be not responsible. Uh, of the of the quality of the PhD thesis that uh, will be under the responsibility responsibility of one department. Uh, for instance, uh, there is a, a problem. Uh, at least I don't know if it. Uh, I, I I think it is specific of the PhD uh, thesis programs. Uh, in France, for instance, is quite easy to do what they call a, a co-tutel. It means that you can do a doctoral thesis uh, in the Sorbonne and in Roma, Roma 3, for instance. And it means that a single doctoral thesis will be accepted by both universities. And the person will have a double title of doctor. But uh, this is almost impossible to do it in Spain. The bureaucracy, is so heavy and so complicated 
that uh, it can it can lead you to nothing. I remember that I was asked to co-direct uh, a doctoral thesis years ago uh, for a students from the La Sorbonne University in Paris, and at the end, it was impossible. I remember that the university, the Universidad Politecnica Catalonia, told me, forget about it. You will not succeed. I am fighting with that, Pedro. <laughs> okay. And now I think I will success with uh, Germany. Okay. One well. university north, north of Germany. But the, the, the rector must to sign the specific uh, contract. But the general contract is accepted. But I think it could be the first time <laughs> we solve that kind of problem. Okay. <laughs> a miracle. Maybe yeah. they, they were, I don't know where, <laughs> they, they signed it. And I am fighting for the specific one. Okay. It's interesting because our first graduate was actually a Cofitel student. You know, it was between Carlton and the University of Turin. And he's now back in Turin, and his name is Davide Mezzini. So, but you lucky. know, like we have, yeah, yeah, we are also, lucky I guess, you. interested in that, but indeed it's a lot of work for the students too, because they really yeah. have to satisfy both programs in terms of requirements. At least that is the case, uh, you know, for us. And uh, I guess the next question, you know, I was going to ask Dr. Azara, but uh, perhaps I can take both of your takes on this. Um, it's about, you know, where is the contribution to knowledge made? So, and if we look particularly, let's say, at the uh, theory and history of architecture, you know, would you say that the contribution to knowledge is made through the written dissertation or do the um, drawings, mappings or exhibition, any other work that is done uh, in the process of arriving at this contribution to knowledge, is that part of the contribution as well? Knowledge can come from different sources. Um, an exhibition can be uh, a way of uh, getting, I mean, of investigating. Uh, an exhibition um, is not only a tool to show certain objects and to, and to, and to present them, but sometimes uh, it needs really a research. For instance, now I am working on an exhibition and uh, I need to do research and um, a research that hasn't been done already. So um, it means that you can get the information, the needed information from, uh, from different sources and by different means. So uh, let's say bibliography is not the only way to get knowledge. Um, in fact, uh, I, I would say the the problem or uh, what we uh, what a phd student has um, has to do is to um, independently of the sources of his knowledge is to uh, use what he has learned um, in a current in a coherent research um, we can pick things and information and data from very different uh, sources, but we have to know or have to be able to use them in a coherent way. So, I mean, uh, we are not telling people uh, use just a bibliography, uh, but 
um, try to use what you have learned, what you have to learn, uh, in order to produce, to write a text uh, that is following uh, a clearly uh, plan. And in fact, the creation of a structure of a plan is sometimes the most important thing. If the plan, if the structure of the work is well designed, then you can add all the necessary uh, information because you would know where to locate it. And in that case, the information would be meaningful. Sometimes the meaning of the information comes not from the information, but from the place where this information is used or located. Thank you very much. I was wondering if uh, Dr. Salagran has maybe something to add to this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, when I, uh, in, when one student is doing his thesis, he usually he comes with long texts, I mean, uh, and many references. And, and then I stop him, usually, or her, and I say, draw that. Draw it. <laughs> that they, they are kind of shocked, but if you can visualize what, what do you plan to do, that is much more easy. And then you can add all the things you want then. But you must to, to see it before. You must to draw it before, not to write it, to draw. And later, you always, you must to write it, obviously. But, but when you can draw a scheme clearly, not, not without, with any words, only drawings, then uh, that could be very helpful for finishing that. I usually do use, use that. The, 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 the main reaction is, they're socket. They're blue. <laughs> I, I'm coming here to <laughs> use that. I was going to say, I really appreciate that, that answer. Thank you. Uh, good morning. But I have two questions. First one is just something, uh, just responding to, uh, to what you were saying and uh, a question that about the logos and, and architecture. Just curious to see what you think about this. Uh, logos is something like you were saying is the truthful word and uh, architecture being like a foundation or a foundational thing, endeavor that gives life. So do you think the logos, does the logos precede architecture, like architecture, or are they parallel? And it's something that uh, was just mentioned. Um, if you want to understand something, draw it. So to me, it sounds like there's a distinction between something you say, even though it's truthful, and something you do to produce some kind of truth. Okay. Um... Logos is, uh, no, normally we tend to oppose logos and mythos, saying that mythos are uh, a word uh, telling something which is fantastic, and uh, logos, on the contrary, is something telling something which is true. Uh, but in fact, this uh, opposition is false. Uh, the only difference is uh, mythos Tell, tell stories or describe events that cannot be proved, but they are true. While logos is uh, a word that uh, explains something that can be uh, proved. And also it describes something that can be repeated. Both 
words, logos, and mythos are telling the truth. But on the first side, on the on the first uh, side, um, mythos explain things that happen in a time before before our time. So we cannot prove that this happened. We have to believe it happened, while a logos describes something that belongs to our world. So we can uh, go and see whether whether uh, the, what logos says is true or not. And also, uh, as logos uh, tells about experiments, we can try to repeat the experiments to see uh, whether what uh, logos says is really is really true. If we understand architecture as uh, a technique a technique or a tool to create life, um, first we have to create life and then we have to think about uh, the life we have created. So we could say that logos appears, logos is absolutely necessary, but is second uh, compared to, uh, to architecture because architecture creates a place where life can be uh, safe and can develop, and then the logos certifies that this has really happened. Um, the second question is something that we've uh, been curious about. So the role or the relationship between the supervisor and the student. Um, according to you, what is that role, uh, in your opinion, whether it's informal or formal? What's that relationship like? Uh, um, okay. Uh, I suppose I'm not the best person to answer this question because when I did uh, my doctoral thesis, my I never I never saw my supervisor, so I uh, saw, uh, and it was not because my supervisor was lazy, because but because he let me do what uh, what I wanted to do and what he thought or what he considered I was able to do. So when I was trying to explain him what I was doing, he was always telling me, okay, okay, um, what you're doing is right, continue. That, that's it. So um, normally when I am managing doctoral thesis, like now I'm managing four doctoral thesis, um, I do not want to control what they are doing. Uh, normally, obviously, uh, two or three times a year, we meet and, uh, and we discuss about what they are doing. But what I would like, uh, I would like them to think is that they can count with my help, they can count on me anytime they need. So they do not have to explain me what they are doing, but they have to be they, they, they have to be free and and to understand that in any case when there is a problem when they need to explain and to discuss about what they are doing, I will be there. Yeah, is that is that is right? My my tutor was in Berkeley. <laughs> It was in the in the eighties, beginning of the eighties. It was it was fantastic because he was there, and but it, it, it didn't exist the internet and anything. And when he when he 
came back, then uh, then I saw this is my thesis and then I give my thesis. I give him. It was fantastic. <laughs> then, uh, but uh, answering in, answering this this uh, the 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 rule of the of the tutor, I think for me is is uh, I am more pushing than Pedro. Uh, obviously, I am uh, always there when he, they need me. But uh, I think uh, the students write or work in a very important part of his life, of his spirit in the thesis. And part of the spirit of the thesis of the tutor should be there. That means that you should help, you should orientate during the, the whole work and until it is finished. And then after when it is finished, it is read and so on, and you can go to drink together, not before. <laughs> not before, I love that. Um, so thank you. Um, the, the next series of questions are, are a bit broader in terms of you know general architectural research theory and the relationship uh, between those and, and practice. And you've spoken a little bit about this already before uh, practicing architects involved in academia. Um, but just to get a, a bit more specific and maybe to expand on what you've already said, uh, since certain schools of architecture are starting to almost uh, promote their PhD programs to appeal to professional architects, I wonder if you feel it's, it's essential to uh, or important to accompany practice with scholarly research. Uh, can there be theory and practice and practice in theory? Um, and do you consider historical research to be a practice or a theory? No, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. This, this is a big discussion. It has been a big discussion because there was some, uh, some period of time during the beginning of the, I think the uh, beginning of the 19th, something like that, uh, the Spanish university needed some permanent professors, some permanent teachers, professors, and so on. And the law says then that you should be doctor. You should read your PhD. Then uh, all the people, it was the new Barcelona. We we left uh, uh, Franco Stein. Maybe you you have heard about this this name. <laughs> yeah, and the country started to build uh, purely buildings, many many things. And where they found the the, the the architects, usually at the universities. Then, and they started to to practice. Uh, to, to make interesting buildings that they are all known in all around the world and the urban design so on in Barcelona especially and then uh, what happens uh, we need this uh, the, the director the dean of the school at that, at that point uh, he thought well we need this kind of people permanently in at the university but it was a, it was a kind of conflict uh, and then what happened some of them, they present his own work as PhD. And this was, uh, it, it was a, a kind of fiasco. It was a kind of fiasco because it was only the work without any reflection about that. And there's some others after that, after learning this, 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 this problem, there were some others, the new ones, they, start, they some, not many, eh, present his own work with a lot of, of, of reflection. They know, uh, they, they put it at the time, they, they use reflection about the history of architecture. They use, they, they, it's obligatory to make an intellectual reflection, not only to show 
your work. For this, you have some magazines, and then uh, and then you can you can publish there. But uh, you, you people understand that it's necessary this intellectual intellectual reflection in all in all the fields. I mean, even in the professional, and and that is uh, for the, at that moment, no no many uh, go in this direction. For example, um, one 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 that could be a good doctor is I put the example is uh, Alvaro Sisa. Alvaro Sisa, the Portuguese architect. He has a fantastic, but he, he gives a, a lectures or a reflection of his work is incredible. There, there, or Rafa Moneo, Rafa, uh, Rafael Moneo, he never uh, did the PhD, never. But he's a doctor because before that, the, the, to, 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 to write the PhD was a law because they changed the title of the architect, the technical architect, and so on. It, it was a conflict and the people showing one professional work, they get the PhD. And it was one generation, Oriol Boigas, Rafael Moneo, many, many very, very good professors, they, they, they get the, her, their PhD in this way. But now it's quite different. It's, it's, it's quite different because it's, it's uh, this, this, uh, this conflict between, between profession, practical profession, and, 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 and the teaching is, 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 is a, a conflict at that moment, yeah. In the fifth century, there was a, a late Roman writer called, I think, Cassiodorus, who told to an architect who has built a, a great building, I think it was a temple, he told, he told him, I mean, your building uh, will last in the memory, and so as an example of good architecture, uh, not because of what you have built, but because of my writing, because I am going to describe and to talk about your, your building, and my writing will last more time than your building, because your time will be, your building will be affected by time, and it will decay. Uh, if we think about the relationship between the word text and the word architecture, in fact, um, techniques and text are two words uh, which are very similar. Uh, they, they come from uh, a Latin, the Latin verb tejere, which means to, to unite, to articulate a textile and a text. Um, uh, in fact, the same thing is the uh, connection and articulation of different things. So um, uh, normally we, we are, I mean, architecture is obviously a construction, but a construction can be made with very different things. It can be made with stones, but it can also be made with woods. Uh, in fact, architecture is a place where we, we have the impression that we could live well. So it's a place where we live well or uh, a place where we think we could live well. It means that uh, an image, a painting, a poem, a musical composition, uh, anything that gives us the impression that if we were there, we, we would live well in peace, this is architecture. So uh, architecture exists in many, many different ways. And so while we are making difference between theory and practice. 
we have to think that uh, we can uh, make a practical thing, not using only building materials or building materials may be very different things and words can be a building material. So when we are uh, doing a theoretical research, uh, in fact, a theoretical research is a creative research too. And this uh, creative research can build a space where we uh, could have the impression of being well if we were there. So I think there really no difference between um, practice and theory. Uh, or let's say in other way, uh, when we think about practice as someone who is building with stones or glasses or uh, iron, uh, we have to think that we can also build with words. And if we are following Cassiodor Cassiodorus remarks, what we build with words will stay uh, longer than what we, we build with uh, normal building materials. In fact, uh, who is the best modern architect? Maybe Proust, maybe Marcel Proust, uh, describing or imagining churches and cities and hotels where people were living a pleasant one and complicated life too. Thank you so much. I wonder to what extent should architectural research and practice um, overlap with the social sciences, maybe above and beyond the, the PhD um, context, uh, particularly geography, climate, nature, things, things like this. Um, and what responsibilities do researchers and practitioners have to uh, engage with ethical concerns, uh, the architect's role in addressing sustainability, for example. Um, so maybe if you could just speak to the, the interdisciplinary nature of, of research and of practice? Well, I, as I said before, I think that, that, that some PhD, a practical architect, can explain his work in, in a transversal way. I mean, using other, other, uh, other aspects of the, of the knowledge. Uh, but uh, we, in our department, at least me, I always have, uh, have been defended that uh, the other things, the sustainability, uh, sociology, or whatever you want, uh, pedagogy, whatever, whatever you want, should be tools for architecture, never the main, the main corpus of the, of the thesis. But they, it depends the, how, how much weight they have this, this the additional, additional knowledge uh, to in, in, in the in the development of your work should be uh, should be used. I mean, but I think the main the main uh, the main subject is architecture. Maybe in a historical way, in, in in design way, or whatever you want. But but this is is not never should be for this reason. You should go to another department in a, in this university or in another university. But, but they, they, there are some students, even some, some teachers at the school, they didn't understand that. And 
when I find this conflict in, in, in my table, I will I always say the same answer. I mean, no, go and to another way. They, they feel uh, they feel bad, but it's, it's, it's true. We don't know about uh, many, many other things. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Azara and Dr. Uh, Sulakorin. Uh, my name is Rima Wad, and I had a question um, about uh, what is the value of studying a specific architect's work and how does that contribute to the broader uh, knowledge of architecture versus studying the collective nature of architecture practice? Well, uh, I can answer that, that because I have been working with one Danish architect for many, many years. It was not my thesis. It was not my thesis. It was another thing. Well, well uh, what I discovered about that, I think it's, it's quite, import quite important to study the work of other architects. I mean, because there is, you can analyze his work uh, looking the tools they use. And that could be very useful to any other architect to know if I have one, one I must to do one specific building, why not to see what the people who was before answered this question, the question to build a building. And then, and then if you have to understand these, these tools, then you can choose. You have, you are more uh, weapons to, to answer, to answer, uh, to answer the question, to answer your building, because they, you have previous experience. I mean, the history is very important and the story too. <laughs> I mean, and there's uh, the history is something that is uh, very, very, very important to know how can we, could we start something new if we don't know anything that happened before? I, I don't know, because you have one specific problem, you can see, well, maybe uh, the Greek solving this question in this way, maybe uh, Le Corbusier answered this, this, this small thing and this another way, way or, or, or Mies or, 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 or Cisa, whatever. And, and then if somebody explains you, look at that, he solved this, this, this question in this way, and then, you have much more information, and if you are, uh, you and then you can decide. It's not the information the most important thing. Is to have the information and to learn to distinguish what do you prefer or what uh, the past solved this problem. For this is very important history, and somebody in in an aesthetic way uh, explain you this detail or this this project. The theoretical approach to cinema. Uh, by Godard, for instance, uh, as he's considered one of the main thinkers uh, about, uh, about pictures, about cinema, all his approach uh, uh, is done by looking at films. So um, if we, if we uh, want to think about painting, by, uh, if, we, we, if we want to paint and to think about painting, we have to look at paintings. So looking at the, at the work of another artist, and by work, I mean his work and his writings, what he says and what he does, help us to think about, um, about, um, about a product or, um, or an art. I mean, we cannot 
we cannot think about architecture. Um, we cannot think about what is architecture um, if we do not look at architectural works. And by architectural works, I mean architectural writings, mm -hmm. architectural images, and ar architectural buildings. Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. totally. <laughs> and the painting is very important to look at the paint, to look the, uh, at the, at this last time I, I am using uh, Whistler <laughs> all the time. I don't know why, but I'm interested in Whistler and Hammersfoy. It's, 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 yeah. Uh, some, and, and some, some women, uh, uh, Leicester or many others, uh, uh, fantastic, because they, they can help you to, 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 to for the inspiration, to look the, at the atmosphere, how to uh, give to one project this kind of atmosphere that is drawing before by, I don't know, by Raphael. I don't know. That was great, thank you. I, I had a question about, um, when you focus on an architect's, like a specific architect's work, and, but more the architectural drawings, do you think or feel that uh, the architect's drawings reveal their uh, identity in a way? And is that something that you encourage your student that through their drawings, they should reflect their identity? And uh, can reading those architectural drawings reveal uh, more about the author's uh, personality? What is identity? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> because if we uh, if we want to uh, identify an, ident an identity by looking at drawings, we should know what is identity. Uh, is identity the same as personality or style or not? Um, I do not know. I mean, uh, a drawing, it's an expression of a vision, uh, a vision of the world. So, and obviously it's a personal vision. So uh, a drawing um, shows us uh, how a person perceives the world. Uh, so in, in, in this case, in, in, in that case, Obviously, uh, a drawing is something uh, most important because it reveals how a person, thanks to his culture, personality, how he perceives the world and which image of the world he sees and he wants to give us. Um, in that sense, um, a drawing really reveals uh, the relationship between a subject and an object. And in that case, to me, is very important. Uh, I agree. Well, yes. Uh, the drawing is something very specific of the architecture, very specific. Uh, because it means the ability to see, the ability to look, and the ability to express. To understand something, you must draw it to know how the composition of one uh, painting or one or one building, you must draw it. You must do, and then you, you have in the expression, you have your feelings there. I mean, uh, I am preparing a, a, a lecture now for the next month 
that everybody showing pictures, many pictures. And I only will show drawings, but drawings made by myself. I mean, <laughs> I mean drawings by the, the Parthenon. Uh, no, the Parthenon, no, the, the Pantheon. Uh, or, or the, or the uh, to, to, to explain the Pantheon drawing before, drawing, drawing it before, because then you can, you can understand how, for example, the structures work. Because you think it's a cylinder, but no, it's not a cylinder. It's something much more complex than that. Is, is that, no? Piranesi, Piranesi is, it has some fantastic drawings. And then when you look at Piranesi, you understand much better the Pantheon, how it works technically. No, not the space, not the poetry. So no, no, technically, and the difference between between Romanic and the Gothic. When you draw, when you draw a section of one Romanic church, then you you understand how the windows are small, how the light is, how it's dark, and and after that you draw a Gothic cathedral, and it's the contrary. But you understand when you draw it, and you express this this the atmosphere of that. For this, for me, the, the drawing is, is. But it depends also when you during your life you draw in different ways. When you are young, you draw in one way. When you become older, <laughs> you draw different because you're interested. You're interested in another thing. to express not not some details, you know, the atmosphere. The, you use the uh, Turner, for example, Turner, fantastic Turner, how they, they, they express the fire, for example. No? And to, for, for the, 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 the Turner or this kind of people, they are, they are, they are incredible, how they help us to, to, to draw, not, not only to use a pencil and to make lines and to have a control of the pencil, no? but when you are in a museum, you look at, you uh, some specific works or paintings or sculpture or whatever you need or a ruin in the, in somewhere in, in where Pedro is always uh, trying to go is in, in the middle in the middle west and then uh, you 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 I don't know you must do and 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 they, it's the ability to see the drawing helps you help you to 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 focus in this, in this, the, the ability to see and the ability to express. You express what, what do you want to express, even with words. I agree with Pedro in that, because it's not all, you can draw with words uh, and you can express with drawings. Thank you. Uh, I guess the next two questions are a bit problematic because they're, they're about identity. So, um, in your, this is a question for uh, Dr. Soligruen. Um, in your 2007 paper, and I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong, uh, three texts by uh, Francesc it is mentioned that the city and the building are indivisible. Yeah. Uh, you also say that uh, Michans was heavily rooted in Barcelona, yeah. in, Barcelona in his uh, professional and personal life. So can it be suggested that the specific architect, their individual identity, the building they design, and the city the architect the architect is a part of are intrinsic facets of each other? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. See you later. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. You're you're right. Yeah. Well, the the uh, one architect of of us as Frances Michans Michans was maybe you know uh, the Barcelona Stadium. 
you have heard about that. The Barcelona Stadium, Messi in soccer, in football, European football, the soccer. Then the, this is one of the most famous buildings he did. And Frances Michans was one uh, unknown architect, but everybody is copying. He died in 2006, something like that. But uh, he was not theoretical. He was only practical. He was uh, he was uh, he was interested, but he has he had one specific specific sensibility to 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 do that. For example, uh, for him, uh, when I I I have many meetings with him, uh, interviews, and then he was really uh, he was old. It was the 2002 something like that. Yeah, the, and I finished in 2005, one year before he died. But uh, he, I, I was usually once or uh, once uh, a month, something like that. I was going to his home to, to drink a tea, something like that. Uh, I was, we were talking for four hours. He was a typical Catalan architect. I mean, uh, what did he knew in his period of uh, student, Italy? Italy and France, nothing else. After that, when he uh, had the commission to, to, to build the Barcelona Stadium for, uh, for football, he traveled all around Europe to know, even I think in even the States, to, to know different, uh, different stadiums. This, this thing we have been talking about, drawing uh, the ability to see how did he learn. Uh, he make a kind of conclusion, but always not explaining with words, explaining with, with drawings. I have a fantastic, um, fantastic panel. He, he draw with different buildings and what was important for him in, about these buildings. Even, for example, Harrison in the, uh, the U, United Nations uh, building in New York. He has this, this of a scheme of always American. He draws something that he never visited before. <laughs> it was incredible, and he made, and there is, it was local. After that, it was the first time he, he because with Franco, it was quite difficult to, 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 to travel. I mean, well, quite difficult, no, it was, it was possible, but it depends, the information was quite limited, and then uh, it was necessary to travel a lot. Uh, he always, he went to, to, to Italy, especially, this this uh, temple you have been visiting yesterday, Pedro, uh, from Durani Reynals. The uh, <laughs> he was always in, in Italy, always, always, always in Italy. Another architect, no? and then the, the the and it was it it is uh, quite interesting to 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 know something about Barcelona because the Barcelona was made for the people who was living in Barcelona, for the architects from Barcelona for architects that were in the school of Barcelona. See, the, the relation between our school, the city of Barcelona and the, and the Catalan architecture was really close. Was always, it was there. That was, then, my, that was my follow-up question. It's like, how does Barcelona uh, see their own architect? Do they want their own architects to develop the city and be like part of the growth of, or whatever, the change of the city? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But for him was very important to, 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 to reference. It was in other buildings of Barcelona. For Michans, was very important one 
another Catalan architect was Durani Reynals, who was living in the same at the same time in the same city, and they never meet each other, never. <laughs> and it was it was a quite interesting uh, relation, and the the relation be, between the city and uh, his architecture was quite uh, quite interesting because, for example, uh, in the example of Barcelona, all the buildings goes straight to the floor. And he made a porch in some part of his project, not in the in the in the old part of, of the city, but in other part, he made a porch. That means that the the owner lose some space. That means uh, he's losing money. And he could uh, convince to the owner to change some uh, specific uh, things in his projects. And, and, and incredibly, after that, all his projects are more expensive than the others. <laughs> it was, and, and, and he always explained, you can never enter. Barcelona has a big mistake. You enter directly from the street to the building. And he always say, you need a previous space because I cannot put this space out of my facade in the exterior because it's a public space, then I lose this space in the interior. And it was an open space. And is, is this kind of, uh, he introduced this kind of, of, of thing in the, in the city. Another thing that has now is very uh, fashionable is the, uh, in an apartment, uh, in an apartment. Now, uh, here at least is you make a room with one size and you must do make more or less the same size for all the rooms of your apartment because you can choose. I put the, uh, the kitchen here. I put the toilet here. I put that. This is a bedroom. This is, and you can change then. Uh, he, inter, he made that in the, in the year 1940. And now it's totally fashion in Barcelona. <laughs> totally. And he, uh, well, and, and, and to know, for example, the example uh, housing is, is quite uh, interesting because the, the la profundidad, ¿cómo se dice Pedro? Profundidad. Width, no? The width? The width? No. Uh, the white, the, uh, the, the, the width of, the, of, of one apartment in the old part of the city, well, the sample, in the middle part of the city, is really important, really important. And then you make some holes, you need to make some holes in there, mm, patios, small patios for ventilation, so on. No? He hated that, for example, he, but because he was living there, he knew that it was typical of Barcelona. What he made, the width was smaller. That is, you are losing um, money for that. But he changed, uh, and he, uh, they were not patios in his buildings. That is um, less expensive. You, you are not losing money in that. It was a kind of compensation. But he introduced this, this uh, design, linear design in the city. That is, in, you, you have the corridor in the, in, the, in, the, in the apartment. In your apartment, you have a main corridor and you have rooms in both sides of, the, of, the, of your apartment. And he, when that is smaller, then the, the corridor disappears, the patio disappears, and you can make the pieces as a tangram, and you can mix it in, in a different way. 
and then and the important thing if the linear vision is important in the in this in classical apartment in Barcelona he introduced the diagonal and then he opened it in a different way that means you have a small uh, white or a small width of the apartment but you have the feeling that you are in a bigger apartment and the space they were in, in, in incredible or the quality of the space was much more important because you were not ventilated in a patio you were ventilated in the street or in the interior in the you know, whatever you do in, for, for this uh, but this was only practical no no uh, not theoretical, the theoretical, nothing, not any any theory he has. And then you can, he, I think he was not able to make a thesis, but somebody could make a thesis of his work. <laughs> Is that? Uh, in fact, we we we, uh, we can also say that he was offering a vision a vision of how to live well uh, through his projects. So yes. his projects are not just. A construction there are also yeah. at the end of the world yeah but in an economic way when uh, the prices in Barcelona has been going down of the when you want to buy something they're going down 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 but mid-times uh, apartments no incredible they're <laughs> incredible incredible if you make an economic study of this you will see that that because the quality that's I say Pedro is 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 quite quite much more interesting than the others. That this and, apartment and they corridor. They are not luxurious. Yeah, uh, is that the quality of space? The luxurious is the quality of the space. Yeah, not the material. Yeah, not marble. <laughs> no, no, nothing about that. Yeah, very interesting architect. Yeah, I Did promised him to to make a. Uh, a book about his work, but I had no time. Do, do you think that uh, his relationship to the city, uh, like that was part of his decision on like shrinking the width of the building? Like, like I understand this problem very well because I live here and I know that your, like the, the client, whoever, your quality of life will be better uh, and the people on the streets quality of life will be better just by stepping that a little bit back. Uh, yes. Okay, but not 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 the facade. The facade keeps there, but the encounter of the of the building with the with the floor is is back. And then the the, the white of the street is 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 bigger. You could add uh, uh, vegetable things, uh, trees, uh, plants, whatever, and you feel that you are entering in a cathedral, a kind of cathedral. Because you, you always need this intermedium space to enter in an, in, in an important building. Always. You have not, if you enter directly, it's uh, something vulgar. Yeah. It's a process. Thank you. To conclude, uh, I wanted to ask about that your research takes uh, place in different cultures, regions, and languages. So I was wondering if you can speak about the role of language in research and and how does language affect the way that you research, but also how you disseminate uh, your work? Well, uh, as I am French and Spanish, more French than Spanish, so uh, it is true that um, I'm thinking in both languages. Maybe I'm thinking more in French than in Spanish, 
and it means that obviously um, I can approach uh, much more documentation, um, but because even if my English is not very well, not very good. Uh, nevertheless, I'm also also able to read and to write in uh, in English. But uh, I think which is important. Not only uh, living languages are important. Dead languages too. I mean, if you, we want to learn from the past, obviously we use translation. Obviously, but if we can try to read the text in in the or in the, its original language, it's also. Um, it can be a very enlightenment. So to have knowledge of, uh, in a Western country, to have knowledge of Greek and Latin, uh, to me, is something important. Obviously, uh, we would, I mean, to have language, to have knowledge of other ancient languages would be also important. But at least Latin and Greek can bring, can bring, put us in contact with uh, ancient cultures that can give us something which is which is important i mean because obviously translations are essential they're most important but uh, translation is also um, i mean it really sometimes cannot say what the author uh, is trying to say uh, if we look at the differences in meaning uh, between the uh, the bible in hebrew in greek and in latin uh, I mean, the differences are, are huge. And sometimes the, the text says something quite different, not because uh, the translator is manipulating the text, because there are some ideas or some visions that can be expressed only in certain languages. In fact, we are what we are speaking. Uh, so if you are... Um, and if you can speak Hebrew, you will see the world in a specific way, quite different from a person who is uh, talking in Greek, in Latin, or any modern, modern language. So uh, to know or to be able to understand uh, a certain number of languages offers us different perspectives. And so we have a richer and more complex vision of the world unfortunately yeah. uh, greek and Latin uh, are more and more uh, forgotten <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah is that no the the the, the word is is very important I, as we have been talking during this time it's very important and then you can see that the people from alaska not from alaska from lapan from the north of Finland, they have at least 24 different ways to say white. Because they are in his context, the white has many, many different, uh, different aspects, the white. For us, it's only one white. No, no, it's white, it's white and white, and that's it. And many whites are white, and then it's important. And usually in yeah, Pedro is uh, thinking always uh, most of, most of the time French. Yeah, I, I always have been uh, thinking in Spanish, and I always have been teaching in Spanish. In, uh, well, not not always. Uh, when you are going to abroad or to 
any other European country, you try to speak in a bad way uh, the, the local the, the, the local language. But imagine to talk is to speak in, in Danish. <laughs> that's that, that's that's quite you speak very bad Danish, very bad German, very bad Italian, but, but you can survive. It's interesting because you've been talking about uh, almost drawing with words or building with words, making spaces, and and I wonder if those drawings would, you know, if a, a drawing of words in Spanish would would look different in a way. I mean, I, I'm using a metaphor, I guess, than than a, a you know drawing in French or something like that. It's I think it's a an interesting connection between the, the other things you've been talking yeah. about as well. Yeah, the, the, the music of the languages are quite different. The German is pom 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 pom, and the, the, this country works pom 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 pom, fantastic. Spanish is mm. <laughs> it's something. Italian, wow, Italian is is, is wow. You can you know, French are mm, eh, Pedro, <laughs> more <laughs> exquisite. In, in French. <laughs> You have to you have to use very long sentences. Uh, something which is almost impossible in Spanish. So yeah. yeah. Mm, so it means that uh, a sentence in Spanish express one idea. Uh, a French sentence expresses either a different ideas or different aspects of one idea. So let's say uh, French offers a more complex, but also more confused approach to the world. <laughs> you see more, but you can be confused, yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, you you know, can decide then. <laughs> I was just thinking that, I guess, uh, you know, speaking more than one language often leads to, I guess, you know, at least in my experience, uh, just Italian and English, it's the um, there is a kind of a creative process in rethinking certain ideas in another language as you move back and forth, and you know perhaps also translations require some of that creativity as well to really convey, you know, some of the original meaning at times. You know, yeah. one has to maybe build, you know, not a liter really a literal translation, but a more creative one. So I just want to thank you for this wonderful interview and all the insights uh, in the program, but also your research and in the time that you have, uh, you know, generously offered to us today. Okay. okay. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope uh, we'll have a chance to meet in person, you know, in a non-COVID time. <laughs> maybe, yeah, we hope so. <laughs> maybe in Canada in the future. Okay. <laughs> okay, great, great. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're so, welcome. Bye thank bye. Thank you so much for your time. Bye thank bye. You. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.